Happy New Year, podcasters. Welcome to Skin the Surface podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to dive into how diet impacts the skin. To help us discuss this topic, we have the pleasure of being joined by a very special guest, board-certified dermatologist and MO surgeon, Dr. Swathi Cannon. Dr. Cannon practices in Southern California and specializes in skin cancer and reconstructive surgery of the face and body, as well as aesthetic treatments such as injectables and anti-aging. Welcome, Dr. Cannon. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. So let's jump right into this. This is a really interesting topic because it comes up quite a lot. And if you Google skincare, it typically is one of the first things that pops up on your search engine. This topic is even more relevant now. I'm sure a lot of us can relate to the fact that our diet has changed since the COVID pandemic started. I know I have. (laughs) And as a result, we may or may not have noticed changes in our skin. We're going to touch upon certain associations with the diet and various skin concerns. But to start, Dr. Cannon, in general, does what we eat really have an impact on our skin and in what way? Definitely. I mean, we are what we eat in many ways. And uh, there's a really good quote by Hippocrates that I really like. I'm sure you guys have heard this, but it goes, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And we are finding that this is proving to be more and more accurate as we learn about the impact of diet on various conditions, not only related to the skin, but a lot of systemic conditions. Yeah, mm, interesting. That's so true. I love that quote. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, it's a really good quote. And I like to apply it to a lot of my patients. I mean, in general, we know that we want to avoid foods that are highly inflammatory just for overall well-being and health. And we know that certain foods like dairy or sugar can definitely worsen inflammatory conditions. And so it's important as physicians to not only provide treatment guidelines and medications, but I think it's also good to give them dietary and lifestyle recommendations to kind of optimize their outcomes. Yeah, no, that's definitely. So important. I agree. Um, I mean, it's truly like you are what you eat um, and your skin yeah. can be kind of <laughs> the outcome of that as well. I know, like I'm, I feel like in COVID-19, I've just become this big ball of sugar because that's all I've been eating. <laughs> right. Well, oh, speaking definitely. of that, um, <laughs> speaking of all that, so one of the things I wanted to bring out is like when um, we hear from our patients about the influence of diet on our skin, mm-hmm. usually the first thing that we get asked about is acne. Um, and so Dr. Cannon, what are your thoughts on this? Are there cer- certain foods that have been found to trigger acne? Yeah, I don't know if there's foods that trigger acne, but there's definitely foods that worsen acne because they worsen the overall inflammation in our system. So I think the biggest culprits for acne usually that we hear of are sugar, white flour or processed foods, dairy and whey. Okay, great. And is there a certain type of acne that flares with these foods? I think, yes, you know, when we think of acne, we divide it into comedonal acne, inflammatory acne, hormonal acne. And inflammatory acne, which is made of pustules and papules, you know, those red bumps that you get on the face, and hormonal acne, which is usually along the jawline in women, these two forms of acne can definitely worsen by sugar and dairy, because both these, both sugar and dairy, not only have a hormonal impact within our system, but also an inflammatory impact. Yeah, that's so important to realize. And, you know, Mm -hmm. oftentimes our patients are looking for, you know, alternative ways in addition to the treatments that we prescribe to kind of help reduce the acne breakouts. And so that's such an important thing to mention. And so do you make any specific 
dietary recommendations to your patients with acne? I do. So when patients come in and they have this strong component of inflammatory scarring and hormonal acne, not only do we talk about the medications, but I give them this long list within my handout that contains all the foods that they should decrease consumption of. So for example, we know that there's a stronger connection between skim milk and acne compared to other types of milk. And this is probably because skim milk contains higher concentrations of hormones and peptides, which then cause androgen or increased androgen synthesis. So I tell them to really have maximal you know, efficacy from their treatment regimen, they need to have a more of an anti-inflammatory diet and to cut down on sugar, uh, dairy, processed foods, and even a lot of protein supplements that contain whey in them. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So how, when you explain um, and go through the dietary recommendations, have you had success with, when patients come to follow up with you and they implement these changes, how much of a difference do you think it really makes? I think it makes a pretty, I mean, I think it can make a tremendous amount of impact, though dietary changes are hard to study uh, Mm -hmm. really in a research-based environment, right? Because everyone is a little bit different. Everybody, uh, everybody's triggers are different. And so usually not only do I give dietary recommendations, but I'll also, you know, start them on an acne regimen. But I have found that patients who have a or who avoid these triggers tend to uh, have their acne improve faster. So usually when I see my patients back after three months, the ones that have implemented their dietary changes tend to look a little bit better than the ones who just stuck to their uh, medication regimen. And that's that's really good to know. Yeah. And that's why I really think that, you know, we should, there's this new trend of physicians approaching their patients in a more holistic manner. Even in med school, when we were, I was in med school, oh my gosh, 12, 15 years ago. And we were so focused on, okay, this medication does this, this medication does that. And now their trend is to approach them in a fashion where we not only address their lifestyle factors, their diet factors, their stress, which can also obviously worsen acne, but also provide them with a a treatment regimen. That's, yeah, no, I mean, that's great. I think that, you know, we need to be a little bit more careful about also the effect of what we eat and how it impacts our skin. And so that's, that's really good. Um, I know another skin condition that may be influenced by certain diets is rosacea Mm -hmm. and rosacea is the flushing and blushing of our skin. And for our listeners, if you haven't had a chance yet, you can uh, learn more about rosacea in our earlier season, uh, season one, the rosacea episode where Dr. Mary and I dive into why rosacea occurs and the various treatments for rosacea. But we also talk a little bit about the dietary trigger. So Dr. Cannon, can you talk a little bit more about certain known dietary triggers when it comes to rosacea? Of course. Yeah. And you're right. Rosacea is this kind of this general inflammatory condition with a complex set of triggers. And I think we can break the dietary triggers into different parts. So there's one set of dietary triggers that worsens rosacea by causing dilation of blood vessels, which then causes flushing. And then there's another set of dietary triggers that increase inflammation, which can then potentially uh, worsen rosacea over a longer period of time. So when we look at the dietary triggers that dilate blood vessels, these are usually broken down into heat related. So such as hot beverages like hot coffee, 
alcohol related, we know that about 50% of rosacea patients um, can get flushing from alcohol. Capsaicin related, which is the compound found in jalapenos and chili peppers and hot food and cinnamaldehyde, which gives that tingling sensation. And, and this is found in foods like cinnamon or tomatoes and then high histamine rich foods like also tomatoes and avocados. So all of these triggers basically cause flushing and can acutely worsen rosacea. These triggers, I think, also differ per patient. So not all rosacea patients are going to get flushing from spicy foods, whereas only some do. And then I also recommend that, you know, patients, rosacea patients avoid sugar and dairy, just because in general, these are pretty highly inflammatory foods, though I don't think that the link between dairy and rosacea is as strong as perhaps a link, you know, as it is in acne, for example, but it is something that, uh, you know, if they cut down on overall, for in the long run, their rosacea could improve a little bit faster. Got it. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, it's, um, you know, we think of these foods as like inflammatory foods, mm -hmm. but it's interesting to think how in different inflammatory skin conditions, um, the triggers can vary. And so something must be happening at a molecular level, which is a little bit beyond. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, why this is happening. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's just so complex. Like, it's very tough to study these these the impact of food and, and skin. So we can only observe and recommend, you know, Right. So I, going along the lines of rosacea, then, um, mm -hmm. like, is there a specific dietary recommendation you have, like, generally for your patients? I know you mentioned that it, it's very patient specific, but in general, is there kind of like a list that you tend to have them avoid? Yeah, just kind of what I said. I mean, I, in my, I have, I have, I have handouts for every patient <laughs> for a lot of these conditions, because I think whatever you say in clinic, you know, sometimes goes in one ear and out the other. So I usually recommend that they first, if they're new to the game of rosacea, that they keep a diary or kind of record what, keep a record of what uh, triggers their flushing. And then based mm -hmm. on that, you know, they can start avoiding things. So for example, alcohol is a pretty common vasodilator. So they should decrease their alcohol intake, spicy foods, and then, you know, foods like tomatoes or cinnamon, avocados, those all cause the histamine release, which can also cause vasodilation. And then I actually, you know, I was when I was reading about this and there's now a possible, they're talking about a possible skin gut reaction. Have you guys heard of this? It's, yeah. hmm? Yes, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. so where they did this yeah. kind of study in Danish patients and they found that the patients who had rosacea also had like a higher prevalence of certain GI conditions like inflammatory bowel disease or H. pylori infect infections. So I think this is kind of like an interesting concept to also consider because if your rosacea patients also have significant GI complaints, it might be useful to not only warrant a referral to GI, but also to like test for H. pylori and to recommend certain things that can promote a healthy gut microbiome like probiotics or, or a high fiber diet, which can then lead to, you know, healthier uh, gut bacteria. Interesting. I was just going to say, uh, I wonder if you would recommend probiotics or the gastroenterologist would recommend probiotics at that point to, to help promote the healthy bacteria, the good bacteria, um, to overcome kind of that, the more of the inflammatory type of um, the bacteria that promote more skin and, and gut inflammation. That's exactly. really interesting. I know. I think it's so interesting too. I mean, we already know that rosacea, for example, there is some 
role of like mites and rosacea. There's a role of mm-hmm. bacteria and acne. And we have heard of the brain gut reaction, the skin gut reaction. So the gut uh, bacteria play a pretty uh, influential role in shaping our innate and adaptive immune systems. So it makes sense that if we can modulate these types of bacteria, that we can probably also help a lot of these inflammatory conditions like rosacea, acne, perhaps eczema, psoriasis, etc. But I think we definitely need more research and more studies. Yeah, definitely. And so actually, you um, gave me a great segue (laughs) to transition into here. Great. um, so, you know, you brought up some different types of rashes. So I know we talked about acne mm-hmm. and rosacea, um, but sometimes patients come in with either a new rash or a chronic rash. Um, and as dermatologists, we see this all the time. And often the question is, is there something in my diet that could be causing this or making this worse? Um, so are there certain types of rashes that you've um, kind of counseled your patients that can be triggered or worsen um, with diet? Well, I think when they come in with nonspecific dermatitis, it's really tough to first talk about the diet. So usually I save the diet and the rash conversations um, for like the second or the third visit, because in my first visit, I'm trying to figure out what they're doing, what they're eating and kind of get to the underlying diagnosis. But once they have like an established diagnosis of, let's say, you know, psoriasis or eczema, then I do talk about eating a healthier diet that is full of fruits and vegetables. And so, you know, there was a um, uh, study in JAMA Dermatology back in 2018, which talked about the Mediterranean diet and psoriasis. And it's, mm-hmm. Yeah, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, of course. So this study was pretty interesting, and they looked at 35,000 patients. And out of that, about 2% had psoriasis. And they found that there was an inverse association between the severity of psoriasis and adherence to a Mediterranean diet, meaning patients who didn't follow this diet had worse psoriasis. The study, though, was observational, and I I think the association is kind of tough because only 2% had psoriasis, but the takeaway is that eating a diet full of anti-inflammatory foods like fruits and vegetables and limiting processed food could definitely help psoriasis patients because it decreases the overall inflammation. And yeah, Oh, Oh, no, go on, go on. (laughs) I was going to say, and then like, you know, um, just tangentially, you know, in our psoriasis patients, they're often at risk for obesity and cardiac disease. And so Mm -hmm. I'm sure you were going to tie this in anyways, but just to put in a plug for that type of Mediterranean diet for other reasons as well, not just for flaring the psoriasis, but also for kind of reducing the risk factors that are associated with it. Yes, exactly. I mean, you kind of nailed it. So we know that psoriasis is an independent risk factor for cardiovascular disease. So if you could reduce the overall inflammation, you can also reduce the risk of cardiovascular events. Um, I do think that we need more kind of actual randomized control data to truly study the effects of this on skin conditions. But it doesn't hurt to eat healthy. <laughs> so not only your skin, yeah. but just for your overall health. So yeah, I, I agree. I think a lot of my psoriasis patients, they'll mention that uh, they notice some flares. I, I don't know if you guys notice this, but I've had a few recently who said, oh, when, when, especially with COVID, I've just been eating a le- unhealthy unhealthy mm-hmm. diet, I have a healthy diet, or I'm eating a lot of sugar, or I'm not exercising. And and I feel like my psoriasis is flaring because of that, despite the fact that I'm still on the same medications, or even my mm-hmm. hydronitis patients 
who are getting these boils underneath their armpits and, and they're not, maybe that is deterring them from exercising just because of the discomfort, but they diet is a huge component. I think when it comes to our skin and especially certain rashes like psoriasis, like you said, Mm -hmm. eczema and, and, um, acne, of course. Right. And even like hydronitis or HS, which you mentioned, I mean, I remember in residency, we used to give them a long dietary regimen, you know, basically taking away their carbs, putting them on a low carb diet. And a lot of these patients would improve with that plus like a few topical medications, and they would they would feel much better. So diet is such a big part of our, you know, part of our skin, it plays a role in so many different ways. And, and I think as doctors, all of us need to probably recommend dietary changes a little bit more. Yeah, and I think that's an important point. Our listeners might listen in today and be like, wow, these are all of my favorite foods or, you know, I really have to cut out everything fun from my diet. Um, But I think having a discussion instead of kind of restricting yourself too much, have that discussion with your dermatologist or healthcare provider because there is a safe and effective way to do this. And like you mentioned, there's certain kind of triggers that vary for different types of skin conditions. And so, um, you know, it's important to kind of coordinate and and not over restrict yourself. It's nice to indulge sometimes. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, I think a lot of and I don't know how our listeners feel about this. But for example, the keto diet is such a restrictive diet. And it they the carbs are put in such a bad light, but really good carbs like fruits, veggies, even like, you know, whole wheat pastas, and healthy greens like quinoa are so good for us for the skin and for the gut microbiome, which all are interconnected. Absolutely. So Dr. Cannon, do you have any other recommendations for our listeners when it comes to diet in the skin? Well, I mean, I think I kind of uh, hit the bottom line. Overall, if we increase our uh, intake of healthy fruits, vegetables, and grains, I think people are going to feel less restricted. And I think it's still okay to indulge. Mm -hmm. You know, just because you, you have acne or psoriasis doesn't mean you can't ever eat a piece of cake. But it's just restricting how often you're eating this. Like you can't have a cookie every single day. You know, so overall, people should make small tweaks. Don't think of it as a diet, but more as a lifestyle change. That would be over, you know, good for your longevity of your life and the quality of your life. Wonderful. Um, well, this conversation is making me very hungry. And so I might go it's actually it. what's time for me, so. Yeah. Um, but um, I think that's actually all we have for today's episode. So I really want to give you a big thanks, Dr. Cannon, for joining us and giving us so much insight into how um, you know, food can impact our skin. Yeah, thank you so much. This was such a great discussion. So thank you for having me. Of course. Um, and to our listeners, don't forget to check out our website at www.skinthesurfacepod.com to learn more and listen to previous podcast episodes. Um, and also follow us on social media at Skin the Surface Pod. Um, we'll see you next time, podcasters. <laughs>